Like bring me some backwoods up out of home and a cup of ice. And some rubber bands up out of there too, homie. Yeah. It's 3 p.m. 80 degrees outside. I'm in something to go real fast sitting outside the corner store. Six-figure car ain't got no business in this area. Hey there, welcome to episode 21 of the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here with John Fish today. Um, how you how you doing? Doing well, doing well on this uh, cold Saturday here in, in wonderful Wisconsin. Well, I'm here in Toronto. The sun's the sun's out. It's the first day of spring training, so it's kind of a, it's kind of uh, refreshing to have some games on. Yeah, it's, it's nice to see some warm weather on TV at least. Cool. So, John, you um, you're uh, a frequent player of the of uh, NFBC high stakes leagues. Uh, I know I've been in, in a bunch of drafts with you. Um, yep. I think you've done probably just as close to as many drafts I have. Um, so tell me anything else. I know you write, I know you, uh, you're affiliated with Arbor Pro. Um, maybe you want to talk about that and uh, talk about uh, how you got started in, in these drafts and how you get started with fantasy in general. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed baseball in general. I mean, I played in college uh, and it's just always been a passion of mine. Um, got playing seriously with fantasy baseball probably five, six years ago um, and gradually have, you know, joined more and more leagues, more high stakes leagues. Um, It's amazing how far I've come as a fantasy player from five years ago. Like looking back at some of my drafts, I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) And, you know, just just one mistake after another when I was first starting out, but I feel like I'm coming around a little bit now. Um, I am over at Arbor Pro now. Shout out to Siege for giving me an opportunity. Um, yeah, so it's my first year kind of essentially in the industry a little bit. I mean, obviously I'm not full-time, but um, yeah. Yeah. So t- t- tell, me, tell me a little bit about, about, uh, about Arbor Pro, like probably because I don't know too much about it. So maybe the people that don't know about it, maybe just give it a, like a little brief intro of like what, what, you, what, uh, what the benefits are. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, CJ is mainly a DFS guy. And to be honest with you, I don't really do much with DFS. I'm just basically a season long guy. Um, and I think the, you know, the, the site is more geared towards DFS, but they're slowly getting into the season long aspect of things. And I know like Dusty Wagner is over there and he's, you know, well-known guy in the NFBC industry. Yep. And, you know, he, so he's over there for season long and I'm over there for season long. You know, CJ's got the DFS aspect things. Um, yeah. I think each, each, each little segment of fantasy is, is, is its own skill. Like um, I personally, like I've, I've played a lot of daily leagues and auction leagues and the NFBC, like these draft and holds are a different skill set for me. So I'm getting better at them. I think I hope, but uh, by no means am I an expert in, in these DCs yet, which I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of them. So the only way to get better is to just do more and more, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Practice makes perfect, right? Right, right on. So um, what I wanted to talk about today is just that last round, the last round of the drafts in these draft and hold draft champions leagues are 50 rounds or grueling drafts. And I want to just look at the last 50, those round 50 picks, because a lot of people, a lot of people like I was, I, I talked to Mike DeMouth, um two days ago. Um, and he said, we talked, I, I was, I was talking about how, um, speed was getting pushed up in the early rounds, but I asked him, why is it not getting pushed up in the later rounds with, when you, when you're taking shots at people like your Miles straw and stuff like that, like he's still going like later than a lot of other, I guess, uh, chances you'll take later. And he says there are, there, there are all dart throws after a certain point. I disagree with that. And I, I, I talked to, I had also John from MLB moving average on, and he said, listen, if you're throwing darts after round 30, I will beat you. Because I don't throw darts. Everything has a rhyme. Everything has a reason. So I'm sort of in John's camp on this. Everything, like I I'm, not, I'm not just blindly throwing darts in round 50. Um, for example, I, I, only, I only played five. I was in five drafts last, last year. That was my first year playing in the draft champions. Um, I'll just go through my round. I, just, I looked and I, I looked at my last, uh, the last year's round 50 picks. I actually, I'd say I, I hit on two of them. And three, three were complete bus um two one i really hit on and i'd I'd call the other one a hit as well so i'll tell you my my five were 
Jamay Jones on the Angels. That was a complete bust. He never got called up. Dan, Al- Dan Altafia, he wasn't, wasn't too useful. Nick Neidert, I might have been a year early on him. He's on the he's a he's a minor leaguer on the Marlins. Um, and the one 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 guy that I I'd say I, I hit on would be Sean Kelly in round fifty because he was getting saves at a point in on the Rangers. And the other my other round fifty pick was Oscar Mercado, which I, I classify as a hit. Um, do you remember any? Um, you want to talk about anything from uh, your your drafts last year or in prior years that um, any any sort of lessons you'd take or any any hits any hits that you want to talk about? Uh, you know, last couple of years, I haven't had any hits basically <laughs> in the, in the, in the last few rounds. This is part of the, you know, this is part of the process where, where I'm saying I'm, I'm gradually, you know, getting better year after year. This year I have actual targets where it's not a dart throw. Previous years I have kind of just thrown darts. You know, I'm taking players that are too young you know, they're not getting called up, you know, I was all over, uh, what's his name? The third baseman from the, uh, pirate system. Um, uh, Cabrian Hayes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was all over him last year and there was a mistake because he probably wasn't getting called up and that's, you know, that's where, that's where you grow as a player, you know, this year I'm looking at more guys that have a chance to get you know, a better chance of getting called up, you know, players that have been in double A AA or triple A that are doing well at those levels that are in, you know, on a team where, you know, if I'm looking at a, a starting pitcher, the team's starting pitching isn't very deep where they might get called up. And um, someone like, somewhere like Kansas city. Yeah. Yeah. So Kansas City's someone uh, I'm kind of looking at uh, Dalton Jeffries quite a bit from the A's system. Okay. Um, you know, he's 24 years old. He was a college pitcher. You know, a team, if, if you're drafting a college pitcher, your odds of getting called up sooner are much better, obviously, because you're a little bit older, you're a little more polished. Um, you know, I think teams these days, you know, it used to be 28, 29 is your prime. I think they're looking more to get players called up quicker. You look at a guy like Mackenzie Gore, obviously he's not going in the 50th round, but you look at him, the way the Padres run their, run their team, you know, they don't mess around with the, you know, you know, they called up Tatis right away last year. They didn't mess around, you know, like the Cubs did with Bryant and the service time and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, uh, uh, Gore is growing on me more and more as the draft season has gone on. I've been tending to take him quicker and quicker. Yeah, you know, kind of going back to Dalton Jeffries, you know, 24 years old, college pitcher from Cal, not a ton of innings, but, you know, when you're drafting the 50th round, there's a lot of guys out there that just, you know, you take take players that are high prospects, but they're only in single A and they're, you know, 20, 21 years old. The odds of them getting called up are kind of unlikely. Right. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a lesson I learned as well. I think I, I, I was a little bit too prospect focused last year. I'm trying yeah. to get off that, but there it's tempting because you just, you see the upside and you're in these later rounds and you think you might as well. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, you know, I was the same way, you know, the first couple of years to draft champions. I don't think, you know, my rounds 40 to 50 were just complete dart throws. I mean, you know, like Mike Demol says, they, that's the way I was drafting it. And, it just limits your roster, you know, limits your flexibility. And exactly. You know, I, agree, I agree. So I'm looking at a draft and I want to, I want to pull up some drafts that we did um, uh, that we can look at some, some of the last rounds of some of the drafts. And I actually found one that both of us were in. It was a draft from January 9th, um, 2000, 2020. So it's uh, somewhat, it was sort of in the middle of when, when I was drafting one of the middle, middle drafts and I'm looking at the round 50 picks and, Lo and behold, guess who you picked in this draft in round 50? <laughs> Dalton, Dalton, Dalton Jeffries. Yeah. So there's, there's I'm on the bottom. <laughs> so um, the guy that I picked was Jake Cronenworth from the Padres in round 50. Now I'm seeing he doesn't he doesn't always last around 50. So what, the reason why I want to like go into round 50 is because these are like uncontested players. Like essentially, no one is no one's contesting you to get these players on your team. They're like 
for like, they are the definition of free. Like sometimes you say their players are free, but they're not really free in these draft and holds because you, you can say like, for example, Vidal Brujan is free, but he's not because he's always going before round 50. You well, not always, but 99% of the time he will. Uh, but these guys are essentially free in this round. So I'll go through them. Uh, Philip Irvin, Dalton Jeffries, Joe Palumbo, Jazz Chisholm, Brock Holt. That was a good bit because that, he was a free agent at that point, so that turned out to be decent. Nick Heath on the Royals. Um, Cronenworth, Cronenworth, Carlos Estevez, reliever on the, card, uh, on the Rockies. Brett Phillips on the, uh, on the Royals. Sandy Leone, catcher. Jackson Kowar, that's that's one of the guys I had in mind for on the on the Royal staff that a lot of the rookies could be um, could be relevant. Lane Thomas, um, Dustin Fowler, Cameron Mabin, um, and Richard Rodriguez, reliever on the Pirates. Um, Mabin is Mabin on the Tigers now, or uh, didn't he just sign with somebody? I think we were, I was talking that I was talking to Mike DeMuth in the last episode and, and you know, we, were, we were looking at some of the news and we we're saying, oh, Kevin Cameron Mabin's uh, starting. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's back on the Tigers. Yeah, so now he's, like, he's penciling to start. So I guess that is a good pick now. But he, but Mike, Mike's like, I don't give a shit about that. He's like, they're, like that's useless. He's useless for fantasy. But still, in round 50, you're like anything with a pulse. Any, any, anyone that's going to get you any stats in the major leagues is almost a win in round 50, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Innings pitch, at-bats, for yeah. sure. And, and, no, and one thing Maven does is he can get you some steals, you know, and that's what everybody's kind of chasing. Exactly. That's why they, That's why I'm, I'm surprised that speed isn't getting pushed up so much in uh, in these drafts. It definitely gets pushed up in the early rounds. In the, yeah, they were, I mean, in the, in, the, in the later rounds of these drafts, yeah, for sure in the early rounds. Yeah. All right. Um, do, you have any, do you have any drafts that you wanted to look at that um, – Recent drafts, or I guess any like just like let me know when the draft was because that would that would make a difference. Uh, we can go back to that draft you're just talking about. Um, you know that I took Dalton Jeffries in the 50th round, but if you look at my 49th round pick, I took uh, Khalil Lee from Kansas City. We kind of going back to the stolen base thing. Yeah, uh, that guy steals bases like no other. I mean, the guy's unbelievable. Um, again, though, it, can he get called up? I don't know. But last year, he was in double A, two different stops, 55 stolen bases. We yeah. know what Kansas City does. Now, it could change because they got new management, but you got Alberto Mondesi there. You got Whit Merrifield. They steal. They steal bags. That's what they do. And, you know, if he gets an opportunity, he could carry you in that category. You he, know? Could be, he could be a Mercado, an Oscar Mercado this year. And similar, yeah. uh, Nick Heath, somebody else took him. Both of those players, I always struggled to, to, to decide which one, would be, which one would be more relevant. Like Nick Heath is, I think he's older, but he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the other skills that, that, that Khalil, Khalil Lee has. Khalil Lee, Khalil Lee is more of a rounded player. So now I'm more on the Lee camp than, I, but I was getting Nick Heath in around 50 in a bunch of drafts just because I believe he's like 24, 25, and he's, he's he's sort of like a Jared Dyson player on the Royals. But I think um, just looking at bad teams is is a good idea in these late rounds, like Orioles, Royals, Tigers. Um, yep, absolutely. But I, but I like the I like the Lee pick, and actually when we had when we we did a episode on prospects and Shelly V, we asked everyone who's who'd be your um, could be your like deep deep sleeper with an ADP over 700. Uh, that's a prospect that you would take, and then Kalilia was her choice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I took him there. I took him in a couple other drafts. I, you know, he's only 21 years old, which is usually the kind of guy that I try to stay away from. But yeah, no, it's a good pick. Anything else? Anything else stick out from this draft? Um. No, I mean, you know, it kind of depends on how you structure your team a little bit. I mean, granted, everything should be kind of covered when you get to these late rounds, but it's kind of a personal preference. Like, do you want to, you know, roll the dice a little bit on a guy like Khalil Lee or Dalton Jeffries, or do you want to get, you know, a stable bullpen arm like a guy like Craig Stammen, for example, in San Diego? Like, 
a guy a plug and play is probably not going to get you any saves because that loaded bullpen, but he's a guy who has somewhat of a low ERA, low whip. You know, do you want to, you know, you can bring a guy like him onto your roster because you can start him in a given week over, let's say, you know, a mid level starter who only has one start that week. Yeah. It, yeah. It, you know, it yeah. all depends on how you personal, it's, it's personal preference when you get down to these late rounds, you know? You, oh, absolutely. Are you one that wants to roll the dice or not? You know, like it's just, that's what it comes down to. I got, I figured a guy like Dylan Moore fairly late uh, last four rounds or so. He's got dual eligibility in Seattle. Can plug and play him. Injuries are going to happen. You know, injuries are going to always going to happen on every roster, every team, every year, never fails. So if you can get a guy like Dylan Moore, who's going to give you a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, it's not anything to write home about, but if you can plug and play him for a week and give you some decent stats, like that's, that's what you look for in these later rounds. Yeah. And sometimes when you draft early enough, um, you can really, you could really hit on a player that it's not going to, it's not going to be going in round 50 at all when come uh, February, March. I'll give you an example. I'm looking at a draft from the beginning of December. So right when, pretty much early in draft season. I'll, I'll read through the, I'll read through the last round. Um, there's um, actually, this is a great example. There's a couple of them that are, um, you know, the, a lot of the, there's a lot of the same repeated players that are, that we, that we were um, talking about that actually we were picked in round 15 in our draft, but there's some really interesting names here. This is a December 3rd uh, draft. Rafael Montero. This is a round 50 again, Sandy Leone, another repeat name. Now here's one. Yoshi, he's a uh, Yoshi here, Yoshi, whatever Hirano. So he wasn't, I don't think he was signed even at that point. And now he's like, maybe the closer on the mirror is getting saved. So that's an amazing round 50 pick that early. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, Carlos Estevez, again, another repeat name, Taylor Trammell, again, like a prospect, yep. Luis, Luis Rangifo, which is actually a really good pick in round 50. He's relevant already, I'd say, but uh, again, just a bench bat, Chris Martin on the Braves, Michael Walker on the Mets. So I know he's not uh, penciled into the rotation, but he could very well, I think one in, he's one injury away from being in that rotation. Um, yeah. Derek Dietrich, Lucas Sims, Pablo Sandoval. He's, he has a pulse. Um, Luis Patino. That's a top end prospect. Anthony Kay on the Jays. Um, Esteban, Esteban Quiros on the Padres. And then Brock Holt. Yeah. Again, again, Brock Holden. I don't even who did who was my pick. Um, oh, Anthony Anthony K was mine. That was that was early in the season. Um, I don't think I'd take him anymore. But um, he was uh, he was something like now that the Jays and their rotation looks like uh, they're pretty solid without him. Like that was before the the Ryu signing. That was before uh, they signed um, Shane Yamaguchi as well. So probably wouldn't have been probably wouldn't have been taking a shot on K anymore because I think there's I've realized there's some better options out there at this point yeah no yeah absolutely you know you touched on a guy that I have drafted uh Lucas Sims you know he's a former first round pick 2012 um he's 25 years old he's kind of like the he's, he's the guy that I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening probably never even heard of him, you know, but he's a former first round pick, which means that he was good at some point. And if you look at what he did last year uh, at AAA before getting called up to the Reds, he had 102 strikeouts in 79 innings. So there's obviously some skill there. Um, his ERA and whip, obviously nothing really to write home about. But you get if you have 102 strikeouts in 79 innings at AAA, you have some legit stuff. I think his swinging strike rate was pretty good in the major leagues too. I think he had a very high swinging strike rate. So I think he's one of the yeah, guys that jumped. Like when I, when I saw when I sifted through some of that data, I think he's one of the guys that jumped off the page there. But just um, not a uh, not not um, he sort of the the, high, the luster sort of worn off him. I have him I have him in like a deep like 32 dynasty league still. Because uh, I just drafted him a while back, but yeah, no, he's he's, uh, he's someone with he's definitely a nice uh, nice pick in this round. Yeah, I think his swing strike rate last year was fifteen and a half percent. I mean, eleven point nine K for nine. There's yeah, for sure. There's something there possibly, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, time for the Reds to figure it out. I mean, well, the Reds' rotation is pretty full. Actually, they have they Reds have a really good pitching staff. Like even their bullpen, I love. I really, I really love their bullpen. Um, um, with some of the, um, I guess, backup options or uh, bridges to Iglesias. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're, the Reds have done a lot to improve their team this year, and it disappoints me as a Brewers fan to see the Brewers not really do anything. Um, I mean, they kind of – I don't mind their hitting signings, but their pitching is nothing to write home about, that's for sure. Well, their starters, yeah, are tough. But what do you what do you think about the the, the Brewers have um, an interesting interesting options in the bullpen? They got um, well, they, they obviously Hater, but then you have Knable coming back, which he could very well get saves. I'm I'm in on Knable this year. I really like getting him. I've got him at some great value. He's not round fifty, but I've got him in the, um, like in round forty. Um, and there's also a guy that um, one, one of our co-hosts mentioned, Craig. He's, he mentioned a guy Ray Ray Black on the on the Brewers. Uh, he just throws gas. He's, his strikeout uh, his strikeout percentage is just ridiculous. Um, he's like sort of like a Karinchuk, just like really eye popping numbers. And then I don't know if you guys still have Bobby Wall or not, but I know he's another guy like that as well. So there, there are some options out there in, in Milwaukee that that um, that could get some saves or could be could be could be valuable in the bullpen. Yeah, I I mean I've said this over and over. I think the Brewers are best when they had Knable as the closer and you allow Hayter to work the seventh, eighth innings. It's kind of the reason why I am basically out on Hayter at his draft price. I think. Oh, oh dude, I'm Hayter. I'm no, I am not more out on anyone except for Hayter this year. I will not have him. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. His strikeouts are awesome. The strikeouts are going to be there again. No doubt. But I think when Canelo comes back, I mean, obviously I don't know what Craig Council thinks, but I think that the best setup is when Canelo is your closer and you got Hayter to work the seventh, eighth, toughest parts of the order whenever they're up, you know. And I, 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 I believe that. I mean, you look at how good Hayter was to close the year back in 2018. He was unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think that just with his with Hater's price combined with all the other options out there, um, like I'm not more out on a on a player, and that's sort of the, that's kind of the other reason I'm out on Iglesias as well in Cincinnati because not as not as much because he's not going to cost as much, and the other options aren't. I'd say um, it, 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 there, there's no precedent of Iglesias working like those earlier innings and the other guys being closers. Like there's not there's not any past history, but I do I really like Robert Stevenson, Amir Garrett, and um, those two guys I really like, and they do also have Strope there, which I don't I don't really like Strope as much, but he's just another option there. So it's giving me reasons to not not take uh, shots on Iglesias and Hater. Uh, those are two guys that I'm sort of out on just because of um, it's a numbers game. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, you uh, look, you like yeah. was there a situation last year when? You know, the first two closes off the board were Blake China and Edwin Diaz. I mean, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. Um, I mean, obviously, I love Hayter. I'm a Brewers fan. I just, I worry. I really worry that Knable is going to eventually be the closer. 2017, Knable, 178 ERA, 116 whip, 126 strikeouts and 76 innings. And the second half of 2018, his run was ridiculous. He started a little bit in the first half, but he was unbelievable in the second half. And I still think that he's the – I think Knable is the closer when he's healthy. I really think that. But I guess we'll see, right? Yeah. You think he gets traded? Uh, I think the Brewers – yeah, I think the Brewers should have traded – I mean, I don't think it's going to happen anymore, but I think they should have traded Hayter. I guess, yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's tougher to trade him now. So yeah. I want to look at um, a more recent draft. Uh, this I've, I think I'm, I've tried to pull up my most recent completed uh, draft champions. Uh, just I don't think you're in this one. Uh, you're not. Uh, Buddy John Bosch is in this one though. Um, let's see who he took in the last round. He took Brandon Brandon Dixon is the guy he took. But uh, the other guys in here are Jake Rogers on the Tigers. So um, he was who I was getting um, in a couple of them before they signed Austin Romine. But now that's sort of taken the the window to that sales. Logan Allen, I think that's a great pick in round 50, especially now um, that there's some injuries on that staff. Um, 
John Hicks in Detroit, Greg Holland. Um, I guess he's signed uh, in Kansas City. I'm not sure if it's a minor league deal or not, but whatever. Nolan Jones, prospect on the Indians. My pick was Corey Abbott on the Cubs. I've been getting a lot of him in round 50. I'll talk about him in a second. Somebody else took Jake Cronenworth in round 50. Um, Isaiah Kiner, Falefa. A lot of catchers here. Um, Tim Beckham. Um, that's not a bad pick. Chris Owings. Um, not a fan of that pick. Uh, I think he's probably one of the most useless um, veteran players you can you can have. I don't know if he has a. I don't know if he's going to make a major league roster. Probably not. Um, Albert Amora, Cam Bedrosian, Rogelio Armenteros. I think he's injured now, though. And then Jorge Bonifacio. Don't know what he's up to these days. But my pick, Corey Abbott. Um, at, we were just talking about Chatwood being the fifth starter on the on the Cubs this year. And a lot of their pitchers are sort of getting up there like Lester. Um, injuries always happen. Like Darvish is not – he's not, not injury prone. Um, but Abbott, he's one of those guys that um, if you look through the upper levels of the minors last year, he was one of the only players with over 140 innings pitched. So he, he's not going to be really stri- restricted in innings with over K9 and uh, I believe uh, low three ERA. So he, he had, he checked all the boxes and he's running the, he's really one of the only players that sort of is that he was already being like a horse in the minor leagues and that Cubs rotation I don't think it's really – I don't really think it's going to be that hard to, to, to crack, and there's not really a lot of competition in terms of the minor leagues there, and he's someone that no one's talking about. Yep, 100% agree. I actually had him written down. Um, a friend of mine is a diehard Cubs fan. He, of course, is filling my ears about him. Uh, yeah, I mean, 166 strikeouts and 146 innings last year. In AAA, right? I Double. think. Double A? Okay, yeah. my bad. I mean, you, you see all these players come up right from double A right to the majors anymore. But. Yeah, the thing is, he's just like completely off the radar for, for whatever reason. And I, I, honest to God, I messaged um, Derek Butcher, uh, the NFPC. I, he wasn't even in the player pool when I started drafting. I asked him, like, yo, um, add, can you add Corey Abbott to the player pool? He's like, yeah, sure. So he added to the player pool. And um, then after that, I started drafting him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. He's another guy. He's 24 years old. You know, he's not 20. He's not yeah, that's, that's another great point. Football. He's not 21. Like, there's a very legit shot for him to come up this year. Absolutely. I, yeah. I think it's a great pick. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, any, um, want, me to go, want me to find another draft, or do you want to, do you want to take one of yours? Uh, I mean, I've kind of already touched base on a lot of my guys, my later on targets, you know, Khalil Lee. Uh, Dalton Jeffries, obviously. Um, Craig Stammen, just for that guy you can plug in. I've kind of touched base on a lot of my later on picks. I also like Daz Cameron a little bit. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's again, he's kind of just a <laughs> kind of a little bit of a dart throw. Um, but yeah, I mean, you want to touch base on a couple of your a couple of your drafts? Um, uh, yeah, I'll look through another one. Uh, this one, let's see if anyone is in this one that we can talk about. Um, Modica was in this one. Um, John L from MLB Moving Averages. Um, he's not going to mind if I tell people who he took. He took Tony Kemp. So he's he's one of those guys that he he wants to do the Monopoly board. He wants to he wants to collect all the pieces of a similar um, um, similar I guess um, job, and then he figures one person will get that job. So if he's taking four, three, four shots, probably three shots from around 30 through 50 on this one job. If he hits on one of them, he's super happy. So he's the guy that's always taking your um, uh, Franklin Barreto and Jorge Mateo combo. And he always likes to work on the turn so he can get both of them at once. And just, uh, just so he doesn't worry about it. And he took Tony Kemp at the, on the lot with the last pick. So he's really wanted, he really wants to solidify that. So he has, a, so he has a warm body in there. Um, Ryan McBroom, he's another, that's another player that I, I like that was taken. He's um, Kansas city first baseman. He could, he could challenge um, O'Hearn for the job. Uh, Taylor Trammell again, Tim Beckham again, Luis Patina again, Patrick Wisdom. So you're seeing a lot of the same players. Uh, Jung Ho Gong, Joe Kelly on the Dodgers, Nick Neidert. So somebody, I took him last year in the 50th round, and again, he's getting taken in the 50th round. I might have been a year early on him. Tanner Rainey, Tony, Tanner Rainey Bubba Starling, um, uh, 
my boy Curland is on bumper Starling. He's he's one of the guys that he's taking. Mike, Mike wasn't in this draft. And then Matt, Matt Tace on the – or Theas, I don't know how to pronounce it, on the Angels. My pick here was Demarcus Evans on the on the um, Rangers. He's, an, he's a guy that um, just um, – he's sort of like a – well, I don't want to say Ray Black, but similar type numbers, just killing the strikeout to walk. His ERA was just microscopic. But he's, again, double A, might not be ready this year. But he's a guy that I'm taking a shot on if I have – if I drafted Jose Leclerc, which I'm sure I would have in this draft, and just sort of as a handcuff to him because – um, the Rangers do have some guys that, that they could back up Leclerc if he struggles or trade or gets traded or whatever, something happens to him. But Demarcus Evans by far has the most upside, I believe, even though he was just in double A. Yeah, it's a risk, but, um, but it's, it's, it's round 50. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a dart throw. It's not saying, I'm not saying it's a dart throw because it's definitely, um, premeditated based on who I've drafted so far, but that was my pick. Yeah. No, yeah. I like that. Uh, going back to the Tony Kemp, um, who's going to win that second base job for Oakland? Somebody has to, right? Well, yeah. Actually, um, it's funny uh, to look at the lineups today. Jorge Mateo is leading off for the A's, but what is, I don't know what that means. It's the first day of spring training. Yeah. First, but for there, there's an article on Roto World that Franklin Barreto has his best shot of making the team um, so far. I know Mateo has, he's out of options. Yeah, not you. I mean, that's a big deal. Yep. So if I look at roster resource on the athletics, and this is a topic we've talked a lot about in the podcast, the Oakland A's, that, that, that this position battle of the A's. Um, I'm just trying to see what, how many, op, like who's out of options other than, uh, so they're saying Tony, Tony Kemp's penciled into that lineup. He also has no options left. Barreto has no options left. And if you scroll down to their, their, their projecting, so they're saying they have uh, Jorge Mateo projected in the minors with no options. So that doesn't work. Um, Sheldon Noose is also there, and, but he has three options left. So I can almost, you can almost guarantee that he's going to sh- start off in the minor leagues. Um, but, but, but all three of those guys have no options left. So I don't know. Are they going to make a trade? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good question. Like they deliberately went out and got Tony Kemp. Um, I guess some of these guys could play the outfield, but in the outfield they have um, they have Lariano in center, right? And then um, let's look. Uh, who else is in their outfield? Uh, I have yeah, here. I mean they got Piscotti still there, you know, Mark Mark Cannon Piscotti. So I don't know, like not sure. Like they gotta have to figure something out. I kind of see Tony Catmore as a you know super utility guy for their team. Yeah, I agree. I really want Jorge Mateo to win that job. Yeah, so do I. I've been trying to – I'm doing the same thing John does. I've been trying to get both of them, but I don't always – I'm not always able to. Both both Barreto and Mateo. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not so much concerned with uh, Tony Kemp. I think I might have had him once. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you know, Mateo last year, 19 home runs, 24 steals, and triple A. Yeah, it's just his plate discipline is not great, even in AAA. I think his, his, his strikeout-to-walk ratio is pretty large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had 145 strikeouts last year. In yeah, that's in AAA. Well, I guess, um, I, don't know, I, don't know Louis, I don't know what Louis Robert had in the AAA because I don't, I don't, think, he was, uh, I don't think he was doing too great in that department either. And yet he's, uh, people are, yeah, uh, you know, you're pretty high on Louis Robert, aren't you? I was, um, I am, and I was before he got the, the, the contract. I was taking him a lot in a lot of places, but now that he's going uh, inside, I won't take him before um, pick 65, but I'll take him in pick around pick 80, no problem. Yeah, I, so I don't have any shares of him yet. Uh, I don't think I'm going to get it, to be honest with you. If you, didn't, if you didn't before, it's unlikely you would now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he, of course, he had a huge 2019, but what nobody talks about is he had zero home runs in 2018. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just looking now. You, you are not wrong. Yeah, 180 at-bats or so, 2018 and zero home runs. And let's look at 19. He had 109, 129 strikeouts and 24, 28 walks. So twenty-eight to one hundred and twenty-nine. That's not a good ratio. That's almost that's almost worse than Mateo. <laughs> yeah. So you know he faces big league pitching. I mean, 
I think it's a pretty risky pick. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. not going in the 15th round or anything like that. Like, you you got to spend a pretty premium, excuse me, premium pick to get him. Yeah. Um, after he's signed, I've been tending to – I've shifted my gears to Loriano and um, – I've been aiming for Loriano, and usually, I, if you have to, if you take Loriano, you're not going to be able to take Luis Robert in the same draft because they're going pretty much around the same time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And or like Tommy Pham is kind of going somewhere around there as well. Yeah, uh, I think Tommy Pham is one of those guys. I just, got, I just got a bad feeling about him. It's not really based on anything scientific. I just got a bad gut feeling about him this year in San in San Diego. I don't know, like. I, 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 don't know. I generally try to stay away from guys that switch leagues because they're not seeing, you know, they're not used to a lot of those pitchers that they're going to be facing. And yeah. that worries me just a touch. But I do like that lineup. I like him hitting second, you know, right in between Machado and Tatis. Tatis. Did they say Tatis is going to lead off yet? Did they? Did they um... uh, I haven't seen anything, but I, I guess I kind of just assumed that. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I'm just going to keep this episode short. Are there, are there any other late uh, targets that you uh, that you're focusing on that we haven't talked about? Like I know, like on some of maybe if we look at some of those some good targets on bad teams, um, like the Royals, the Tigers, uh, Orioles. Like another guy I've been looking at is uh, well, not round fifty. I, I haven't waited. I haven't waited for round for round fifty to take um, Cobb. I know that's a boring one, but also the guy I'm more excited about actually is Brandon Bailey on the on the Orioles. Um, rule five pick can't get can't get sent down or they, or else they'd have to send him back to Houston. Um, penciled in on Ross Resource to be a starter. Talked about him at length before. He's a, just bad teams seem to be um, gold in these last in these last rounds just for just for warm bodies. Yeah, I, obviously better better chance of playing. Although yeah. you know it's a little worrisome in September now. We don't have the real expanded rosters. True. So, but yeah, like a guy like even a guy like Bailey for the Orioles, sure, yeah, absolutely. He'll anybody's gonna have a shot as long as you're on the major league roster, right? Yeah, even keep him keep him around for a two start week could be better than your other options. Yeah, not not to say the no, like I'm I'm not when I talk about all these players like on the Orioles or whatever. Like I'm not I'm not banking on them to break out like Cody Bellinger did that year when people when you were getting him in round forty. But they're just I'm just more for um, more uh, baking on some some pulses, some pulses that you can just put in when your um, when your starters uh, are hurt or um, you play some matchups or something like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the only other guy that I'm kind of uh, targeting a little bit towards the end of drafts is Abraham Toro from Astros. Oh, I'm with you. I love it. I haven't. He, if you look at your player shares, he's like right at the top of my list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, why do you like, why do you like him? Uh, well, we all know how Korea is. You're, you're he's saying the same, you're, you're taking a page out of my book here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just, you look at his numbers last year between double A and triple A, they're insane. Yep. Uh, and if he get, just can get an opportunity being in that lineup, whether they're cheating or not, I think they're all still pretty good players. Uh, you know, just need an opportunity in that Astros lineup, basically. Yeah, like I think, yeah, you hit it. Like Korea gets in, Korea's injury prone. If I, if I have Korea, I am making a point to get Abraham Toro on my team. I'm, I'm not coming out of these drafting holds with Korea and not Toro. I'll, I'll, I'll get him. I've been, if I have Korea, I'm targeting Toro in round 40. Um, because I'm not, I'm not waiting for him. Um, yeah, so yeah. The, Bregman can move over to shortstop, and Toro can move over to, can move into third base, no problem. Like I'm just worried about that team. Anything could happen uh, on the Astros. That team, like it's just one thing away from blowing up in what in a direction you've never thought about. So, yeah, there's so yeah. many there's so many ways that I'm not even probably considering that Toro could could find his way into everyday at bats. Yeah, and you know, I, a lot of these draft champions I did, you know, like a month ago or whatever, and I was taking them because there were some rumors that Korea was possibly getting traded. Right, yeah, to Cincinnati. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, who knows about the Astros, you know? I, I've kind of been off a lot of the Astros, basically. 
I took Springer, one of my very first drafts back in December, maybe it's end of November. Uh, but other than that, I've, I've kind of been off of El Tuve. I've been, I've never really liked uh, Bregman, just where he was going to begin with. I got like speed in the first round if I'm not taking a pitcher. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really not ending up with too many shares of Astros, but I do like Abraham Toro late. Right on. I, I'm 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 totally with you on Bregman. So I think I think I think we agree on a lot of things. I don't think I want to draft with you anymore. Actually, I don't think I like drafting with you. To tell you the truth, <laughs> we've already done a few drafts. Together. Yeah, I know. And actually, I remember thinking like I don't like drafting with this guy. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Last thing. Last thing I want to ask you is um, when you're when you're looking at your late brand picks, and you know it doesn't have to be round fifty. It could be anything. I guess sort of late. Define it however you want. Do you take a handcuff approach? Like, for example, I'll give you an example. I, I got, I had the third pick or I think maybe the fifth, I got Christian Yellick. He fell to me in one of the drafts. And I'm, I'm like, I'm in late, I'm in the late rounds in the ground 50. I'm like, okay, there's no one here that's really good that I want. I'm going to take Tyrone Taylor. He's, you know, he's an outfield. And you probably, it's a good example because you're a Brewer fan. So you, I'm, I'm imagining you know who he is. Um, I didn't know because I'm saying I, I honestly hadn't heard of him to be honest, before this year, before I started looking into it. And um, he, he was up for a little bit last year, and he, he has a little bit more upside than, than ben, ben Gamble. So I'm like, you know what, I'll take a shot on him because, God forbid, Christian Yellick gets hurt and I'm stuck. I'm like, I at least want to – if I'm losing my best player, I at least want to get some sort of benefit out of it that somebody else, somebody else on my team is going to gain some value. So in those drafts, do you take, it, do you take that strategy at all, like sort of handcuffing some of your, your – um, top players with your late with your last round picks no I really haven't um I you know it's kind of different from football football sure you want to handcuff you know it, to it a certain extent one of your top running backs but uh no I really haven't for baseball uh, for baseball I'm looking at getting a little bit more depth um sure injuries happen but it, if you, you know, if you lose, if you lose Christian Yelich, there's a, <laughs> there's no guarantees basically with that playing time. I mean that you know, like you said, Ben Gamble, like he's he's very serviceable, very good player. Um, I do like I do like Taylor a little bit uh, as a late round pick, but not necessarily as a handcuff. Um, the only things that I could really see handcuffing is a, a possible closer or a backup catcher one of my mistakes that i made a couple of years ago is the catcher position in a draft champions uh i had drafted salvador perez and actually it was last year and he got hurt right before the season started and i didn't i barely had any catchers on my roster so i was you know stuck dealing with basically a zero in my catcher position so i like to try to get four to five catchers and that's generally where I like the that's where you can come in with a handcuff of a, one of your starting catchers because obviously there's only one other player that can take over that role you know the backup catcher exactly so. yeah and yeah it, I find yeah I agree I, I'm trying to draft the catcher on the same team as my starting catcher but I find there's certain catchers where I just don't like um, Perez Salvador Perez is a perfect example I've got him in a couple of weeks but I don't even want his backup because I don't think it, it's of so limited value that the, the, the backup that's in the major leagues right now, like it might, it, like what I'm saying is in certain circumstances, I don't know what's, what's a bigger benefit to, to roster the backup catcher in the majors or roster someone in the minor leagues that could get called up if he gets hurt. Um, so Kansas city is just a really tough uh, catcher position to, to handcuff. I find, but whereas um, like Florida is easy. Like if, you, if I'm drafting Alfaro, get Cervelli, no problem. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, what do you want to do? Like you, it, it's all personal preference towards the end of the, of, of the draft. Do you want to draft the backup catcher to self-repress press, or do you want to, you know, roll the dice on a guy like Dalton Varsha from the Diamondbacks? Yeah. <laughs> it's very rare, but he could possibly be a five category catcher, you know, but you know, there's no guarantee for playing time at all this year. So, what would um, what are your thoughts on that? If you're drafting, if you drafted Sal Perez this year, knowing knowing um, 
learning the lesson from last year, what would you do? Would you try to draft someone on the Royals or would you try and just make sure you get four, four or five catchers? Or I guess it, it really depends on how the draft falls to you. I, you know, I've been getting Jacob Stallings a lot of places late as my third or fourth catcher. And I mean, he's, he's a starter. He's a, he's a starter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, him, him and Castro are sort of those hidden catchers based on how ADP has them, but they really shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. I, I, basically, I just want to get at-bats. I want to get guys that are going to play, you know, and whether it's a starting catcher or a backup catcher, you know, later in the draft, you're just trying to build depth. Like, in draft champions, it's so important to have depth at every position. It's why players like, you know, I, one guy I've been taking a lot, this is obviously not a later on pick, so I'm going a little bit off topic, but one guy I'm getting a lot of shares of is uh, VR because he's got second shortstop eligibility. He's supposed to be the outfielder, you know, starting center fielder. Sure. Yeah, he'll, he'll gain outfield eligibility. So he's going to have all that, you know, so much roster flexibility. And, yeah, he's not going to repeat last year's number. Numbers, obviously not. I mean, he's not going to – I project him 15, 16 home runs and, you know, 35 steals. I, 30, 35 steals. I don't see over 100 runs. I, I don't know. He's not going to repeat last year's numbers. So maybe it's a little bit of a reach to grab him in the third round. But I just – in draft champions, you got to have that roster flexibility. It allows you to do so much throughout the draft. So, you, so you're – like I've talked to a lot of people, and I think that you're, you're echoing a lot of people's sentiments of the roster flexibility being so important. Like I know Mike Curlin said so and um, uh, a lot of other people. Uh, forgetting exactly I think pretty much everyone that we've talked to is, is saying that but you're almost saying that roster flexibility sometimes trumps actual um, uh, performance to an extent I mean yeah. you know I'm not trying to put yeah. words in your mouth but yeah like to yeah, yeah to an extent to an extent like yeah I'm not I'm not trying to quantify it um, in, by any means but yeah like some like to maybe talk about how like maybe maybe let's end off by talking about that roster flexibility yeah. um, you know, one thing, I, one thing I really like about VR, I mean, you look at stolen, like everybody always talks about stolen bases, right? But if you look at it, like when you're competing in a draft champions, your, your entry fee is not just for your league. You're trying to win an overall competition. So you're trying to get to a target, which I always target the 80th percentile of all the, all the stats. And you're going to get a guy who's going to get you 30 to 35 stolen bases. He's going to, play every day. I mean, he's been very healthy outside of one year and he's going to have that roster flexibility, but people chase speed later in the draft. And then, you know, a lot of people say you can get speed later. You can get speed later. Yes, you can, but it also comes at a severe cost to some of your other stats. You know, you can get a guy like Malik Smith, but he's going to kill you in home runs. He's going to kill you in RBIs. He's, and he's all, he's at a point where I think you can be, you need other things as well. Like, like saves. Like, I think, where's Malik Smith going? He's going, maybe he's going a little bit afterwards. Or maybe, maybe I'm thinking of D Gordon, but he's going right around where the closer runs happen, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's solely because of stolen bases. But, and that's because people are chasing the category because they didn't address it early. Yeah, you know? they become desperate. Uh, they, Malik Smith is some guy that I'll never have in these drafts. Yeah, I think I have maybe one share and you probably got him. You probably got him like after his ADP. Yeah, I, well, so I started a draft. One of my drafts, I started with Walker Bueller, who I love. And I had, I was totally planning on taking, you know, Starling Marte or somebody in the second, but Nolan Arenado fell to me. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I got to take Nolan Arenado. I mean, we're in the middle of second round, right? So. I take yeah. Arenado, and then the rest of the draft, I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, chasing speed. I'm trying to, you know, figure out how I'm going to get there. And, you know, you get outside of the top five, six rounds, and all the speed guys are going to kill your other categories. And that's just the way it is. So I try to – I love Arenado. I love Arenado, you know, probably one of the safest picks out there. Straight, solid, four categories. But when you take a guy like Arenado and you're trying to get an ace, you're going to be so hamstrung with stolen bases. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't take Arenado anymore in the first round. 
And if I take a pitcher in the first round, I can't take him in the second round. I just, you can't do it. It's fantasy. You know? Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I need to get those stolen bases in, in the first round. And you think somebody like Bellinger does it for you or does, or does drafting a guy like Bellinger um, still leave some stolen bases to be desired and you're still trying to play catch up? Uh, or, or like Soto, yeah. Soto or Bellage, Soto even like somebody, somebody that you, you think's going to get you 10, 12. Like, yeah, I have, I actually have zero shares of, uh, Bellinger and Soto. Um, I, I worry a little bit about Bellinger's second half last year. Uh, I mean, obviously his first half was absolutely amazing, but are we sure that he's that much better than a guy like Bryce Harper that you can get in the second round? I, I, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, um, those those like though, I find those comparisons interesting. Like I, I've said the same thing about. Um, are we really sure that Bregman is that much better than Xander Bogarts? Yeah, yeah, see exactly. You know, and it's all about the guy you can get similar. They they can get a round or two later or three rounds later. Um, are we are we really sure that um, that Stanton is that much better than Miguel Sano? Yeah, I know you're a big Sano guy. Yeah. Are you worried about raising the hit in the lineup? No, I'm not actually. I think, um, well, I, I, I think if he performs as we expect, I think he should be hitting in the top five of that lineup. Even if he's hitting six, he's still going to, it's still going to be a great lineup. And I, I looked at it, I dug into it is his, his stats when he hit seventh or below when he hit, he hit seventh or below, uh, I believe uh, about a third of the time last year. And he did have a good year and his stats were actually, he actually, paced for better stats when he was batting seven or below in terms of RBIs and runs and home runs. That was more of a, I was also a function of just him hitting a lot of home runs while he batted seventh, but he was, I believe pacing for like over 120 runs and RBIs from the seven hole. Yeah. He, yeah. I, I mean, I like him a lot too. And he's going to gain first base eligibility, which is nice. A little more roster flexibility. Yeah, he's actually first base eligible already in Yahoo leagues. <laughs> oh, is he? I know you probably you probably don't play in Yahoo leagues, but yeah, I do. No, I I basically play strictly NFBC now. Yeah, but yeah, Yahoo is just uh, it's a free for all for like pretty much everyone's eligible everywhere. Like Danny San- Danny Santana is first, second, third shortstop and outfield, so it's like pretty much a joke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's nice though. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Let me um, ask one thing, Zach. Uh, yeah. Are you worried? I don't. I haven't heard one person say anything about it. Are we worried a little bit about Juan Soto's lineup protection? Oh, in these in these NFBC leagues, like uh, I guess if you're looking at five by five roto with your batting average, like what's what is a projected lineup? And, and that's a good question. I haven't really. No one's really posed that question before. It's a good. It's a good thought. I haven't seen. You know, I follow a lot of obviously a lot of you know fantasy baseball people, and I just I. I worry a little bit about who he's has hitting behind him. And you, you have no shares of him. So right now, they actually, they have Victor Robles projected batting first, and then Eaton, Turner, Soto, and then behind him, you got a, a mishmash of Castro, Thames, Kibum, and then Brian Zimmerman, Israel Cabrera, so Howie Kendrick. So you got a lot of average hitters behind him. Yeah, but I mean – if you're managing a team and you're seventh inning, somewhat of a close game, and you have first base open, are you giving Soto anything to hit? I probably like less frequently than last year. Yeah, who was I, behind? I, who was behind I, him last I'm year? He still bat, he still batted fourth last year. Like he didn't have any though. He didn't have he didn't have Robles, Eaton, Turner, or Rendon protecting him last year. Yeah, that's true. What? He had also, Howie Kendrick, didn't he? But he, I mean, he's more of a superstar now than he was last year. You know, like I yeah, think, yeah. I don't know. I I, I, worry I think, about it. I think he could. Well, I think he could walk like 130 times because of, I guess, his lineup is a little bit, a little bit more depleted, and he's becoming and he's maturing, and he's he was already like a, a like he's almost he's already like a super superstar when it comes to play discipline at the age. Yeah. Of, oh, absolutely. Ever. So yeah, no, I, I think that I think your concern is valid for sure. I think he's, he could. He's obviously a phenomenal player. He's the best yeah. hitter in the lineup by far now. I mean, yeah, best best pure, best pure hitter for sure. Best yeah, my, might be top pitcher, three. He might be a top three pure hitter in in baseball. 
Yeah. Like yeah. when you're talking about pure hitting, like he's a better, he's probably a better hitter than Acuna. Like just, I'm not saying he's a better power hitter or a better overall player, but I think he's a better pure contact hitter than Acuna. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's phenomenal. That's why I'm, it's also part of my worry. <laughs> That's why I'm worried. Like, why wouldn't you p- just pitch around him and face, you know, do you want to face Soto with a game in the line or do you want to face Thames with the game in the line? Yeah, I guess, okay, who are, you, who, who are your top three hitters you wouldn't want to face with the game on the line? I think Mike Trout would be one of them. I agree. I think uh, Juan Soto is one of those three players. I don't know if I'm trying to think. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just completely missing someone else. I'd put Yellick up there, too. Yellick? So Yellick, Soto, and Trout. Yeah, I can go with yeah. that. Um, I mean, Arenado. May, yeah, Arenado is another one that I was thinking, but I still would – Go with the three; those three over Arenado. I'm just trying to think of the first round. Um, yeah, those are probably my three players. Yeah, maybe, maybe JD Martinez. Yeah, he's he's another guy who's just getting. How does he? The guy, I mean, has a big year last year again, and he's going around later than he was. <laughs> no, it's crazy. It's the it's the age. It's the age discount. And then the speed. Everybody's watching the yeah. speed. Including me. Well, he's like, like I guess, like what somebody was talking about him. I heard on another po- on the another podcast this week, and they said, well, he basically returned like he was a first round player last year, and he returned like still good value. Like he he underperformed his peripherals, but he's still like a first round player. But you can't take him to the first round because of the the, the state of the state of the of the leagues with speed. Yeah, like, you, you can't. Yeah, it's just like Arenado. I mean, so who are your targets in the first round? You, you like you like you go for your Lindors and stories. Like if you don't have a top three pick, if you don't have a top three pick and you're not going pitcher, who are the guys you're looking at? Uh, yeah, Story and Turner. Story okay. and Turner by my team. Lindor or no? Uh, yeah, I like Lindor too. Um, it it kind of comes down to again personal preference. I like all three of those guys. Obviously, I yeah. Like- I've been I've been going story in Lindor, and honestly, I like I prefer a story. But I've done so many drafts, and I've ended up in that spot so many times that I've just found myself just taking Lindor just to diversify my portfolio. Yeah, my first my first draft champions I did back in November or whatever it was, uh, I took Lindor, and I love Lindor. Yeah, I just, yeah I agree I agree with you. I think we're on the same page. You got to get you got to you got to leave the first round some steals. Yeah, I mean that's why. You know, everybody gets a little bit nervous about Trey Turner because, you know, his injuries or whatever, but it's always been like a fluke injury. It's not like a chronic soft tissue injury or anything. Like he got hit with a pitch, you know, as he broke broke a finger, you know, I mean. Yeah, as long as those guys stay healthy, healthy, they have such a such a high floor in these type of leagues because um, I'm not basing this on any, any numbers of crunch, but just based on my past experience, I drafted a lot of Jose Ramirez last year when I was in the, in, in the number three spot. I was getting – I would always take Jose Ramirez and he sort of had a a shit year from his, from somebody that you're going to draft in the three spot. But those leagues, I I still ended up doing okay. And because he got you those stolen bases and I was able to, I was able to pull myself up with other guys I drafted like, um, like Pete Alonzo late or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. You can find power throughout the draft. Every round there's power available. Yeah. But the speed where you don't kill your other categories is not and that's why i you know that's why you see all these guys going the first round with speed yep all right well i think we're gonna wrap it up i think we kept it relatively short relative uh relative to the other podcasts i've done which is good this is always which is a which is a goal of mine um um so uh you can find uh john uh john fish on twitter at fish 2483 so give him a follow and he also um he's also a writer at arbor pro arborpro.com um, you can also find him probably in any NFBC draft that you do. So, John, thanks very much. Anything else you want to say? No, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I love talking baseball. I'll do it every day if I can. All right. Beautiful, buddy. Thanks a lot. Yep. Thanks, man. Talk to you later.